we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. It is safe to say that after, what, uh, about three years of uh, dealing with COVID, uh, people want their freedom back. People want to get on. You know, there was this whole talk about a new normal up front, and people are not looking for that kind of a normal, I can assure you of that. You see the uprising of what's happening in China, that people are standing up for freedom. This isn't the first time, though. We're seeing that all around the country, all around the world. A welcome into America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. So it started, you know, if you were following, uh, oh, in the last many, many months here, last six months, a huge uprising, first of all, in, I want to start in Iran a moment briefly, a huge uprising there. Uh, women want, wanting their freedom, you know, standing up for their, their rights. And I mean, I'm talking massive in scale and all over the country. And that was kind of a very interesting sign that people, they, they want that uh, freedom back. Now we see what's transpiring in, in China. These world events I'm speaking of uh, are dramatic. Uh, China has clocked the highest rate of daily COVID cases, however, since the pandemic began. An interesting footnote to this. This was just last Wednesday, by the way, uh, Dr. McCullough. They, they recorded their highest number of daily COVID cases uh, since the pandemic started in, in, in 2020. Uh, and this is with their COVID zero policy. Now, the uprisings are tremendous. We've been reporting on this on the news side of things uh, that we haven't seen anything like this uh, really ever. Uh, so let's discuss that a little bit. First of all, the zero COVID policies, you see they're padlocking apartments down. You see the fire that burnt and killed a lot of people there. And, you know, their drastic measures is what I'm suggesting. But what do you make of these this upright this uptick of covid cases in china first of all and the uprising of the human spirit there it is uh very interesting to note and i've said this throughout the pandemic that the virus seems to find pockets of susceptibility that there's populations that yet haven't been touched by sars-cov-2 uh, we know in the united states now in children, our CDC says 86% of children have had COVID. It may be approaching the same for adults. There's not that many more susceptible people in the United States to have a first-time infection. Right now in the United States, we are at uh, one-fifth of the number of cases we had last year, and we're at one-twentieth the number of deaths as last year. So the United States, it's, it looks like it's clearly burning out, but through this entire time, we haven't heard much about China. Now China is surging, raging with cases, right. and China has taken this COVID zero policy, meaning they want zero cases huh. in their country. We gave up on that a long time ago. And remember, this is a health emergency, and the operative word here is public health, public health, safety of the public. Well, it's, it, it is uh, ironic and actually alarming to see like public safety like fire exits of buildings being welded shut. I mean, think about this. That, that's actually public safety. Uh, China is a very vertically oriented country. I've been there five times. I know it well. It's very vertically oriented. People live in high-rise buildings all over the place. 
and they depend on fire exits for safety. And so what's happening is they are welding these doors shut and people are being locked inside and it's they're creating their own humanitarian crisis. Mm -hmm. It's obviously uh, making the entire situation worse. I noticed Malcolm on the streets, looking at some of those protests, they weren't wearing masks. They, they were not wearing masks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, a rebuke of their policies, I'm sure. And uh, pushing back on it. Let me ask you about this. Uh, you, you bring up an interesting point with China uh, herd immunity you know, we obviously have crossed that bridge here in the States. And you and I have talked about this many times over the last few years. I mean, now China is the reason they don't really, I mean, are we suggesting they don't have herd immunity? And is it because of this zero COVID policy? I mean, that's got to be it. Yeah. Well, they don't have a base of protection. Herd immunity is a concept that leads to, a, you know, a, a finality of zero cases. And uh, we don't think that's possible now since you can get it over and over again. The virus is mutating. So really what we're looking at is base protection. Mm -hmm. If someone's had COVID in the past, they have base protection. They have a negligible risk of hospitalization and death. In China, they have you know 1.3 billion people and they have cities we've never heard of. They're bigger than LA. I can tell you they right. have large pockets that still have yet to be touched by the virus. This This fire could be burning over there for a long time. Yeah. You know, I'm just wondering if their policies have fueled this thing because of the way the government has acted, you know, the whole zero thing. I look at herd immunity not as a zero COVID zero policy kind of thing. I look at it as the fact that, you know, the vast majority of the population was immune to it or you get on with some sort of a normal life or you got up over that massive hurdle where, you know, the numbers were staggering. I mean, we certainly have accomplished that here in our country. But China, I think their policies, uh, I think they're counterproductive is what I'm suggesting. The zero COVID policy is insane. And as you say, the health measures of what they're doing is is ridiculous. Uh, the, the bottom line is people have had enough. And at all the universities, all the schools, all the colleges and a lot. I mean, we're talking and we're talking, you know, this is a, a, a nation of an excessive 1.4 billion people. I mean, they. They uh, go back and forth with India as the largest in the world. And, you know, these uh, protests, and we're talking, you know, 15 to 20 different major, major uh, markets. In the, It's all over the country. It's not just an isolated incident. Uh, and people want their freedom back. And they're standing up for this. Uh, I, we're still looking at it from a news perspective. Uh, Xi Jinping is starting to roll the tanks out. Uh, you know, again, they do everything to pull the people back. It's an authoritarian uh, regime, clearly. Uh, so from a health uh, standpoint, Peter, uh, I think uh, looking at this, do, I mean, do you think they continue on with the zero COVID policy? I mean, the government has got to see that. I mean, I'm guessing they've got to step off the gas when it comes. I mean, the people are speaking loud. They're demanding to have their lives back. I mean, they have no life. They've been, some of these people have been locked up for better part of a year. Uh, what do you think the balance of that is? I think you're going to see some real atrocities before it gets better. Unfortunately, the Chinese have a real history at doing this. They don't, they don't de-escalate. They really crank it up. Think about this, these buildings that have thousands and thousands of people living in it. Once COVID is in one of these buildings, these people are running out of food. They have no medicines. They're getting sicker and sicker. It's probably spreading like wildfire in these buildings, because right. if you have just a, 
uh, let's say a few dozen cases. Now you've got thousands of active cases because they can't get out, and there it's just the right. uh, you know the airflow. It's in the air systems. It's in the uh, water. Uh, you can imagine how these are erupting. Uh, I anticipate this is really going to escalate. Now I find it ironic. Have you seen the statements that have come out? Justin Trudeau of Canada, who you really oversaw incredible brutality in Canada. Now he announces Canada stands with the Chinese dissidents. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't even know how to touch that one, but I did see that. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, talk about calling a kettle, you know, uh, black. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting. You said the key thing, they, and you're, you're exactly right with the government. They hardly ever de-escalate. You're, you're right from an authoritarian, totalitarian government uh, that uh, China is, the, the China Communist Party, the CCP. No, there's never a de-escalation. They, they uh, typically double down on things. Uh, but there's a, there's a breaking point. There's a tipping point when it comes to human beings and the suppression of the human spirit. There's a tipping point. And the more those people rise, and we're seeing that in other areas of the world, I think they want that freedom back. And it's a sign to folks, you know, freedom is, uh, we, we've experienced it here, uh, Peter, in this country here as well. You know, freedom is, uh, can't take it for granted. You have to fight for it uh, at every turn here, uh, to be sure. Well, a few other stories here that we want to touch on. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of calls now. I've seen multiple reports. Uh, which, again, talking about our freedom, but they're pushing to get the mask. I mean, sincerely, back on the kids. I've seen reports on the BBC. I've seen it in stat. Uh, a triple-demic hurricane is making landfall. We need masks, not just tent hospitals. And they go on to say that these crushing caseloads of children sick with RSVP and uh, RSV, rather, and our other uh, viral illnesses, uh, schools that promise to return to normal now report widespread absences and even closures from RSV and flu in many parts of the country, uh, contributing to parents missing work in record numbers, et cetera, et cetera, with the flu season beginning. Uh, the storms of these proportions should demand not only crisis clinical measures, but also community prevention efforts. Yet instead of deploying public health strategies to weather the storm, the United States is abandoning them. And what they're speaking of here, Dr. McCullers, they're speaking of such as masking, moving activities outdoors, limited large gatherings during surges, uh, incorporating these into our daily routines. Uh, so they're saying we're not going about this properly. We're, we're regressing. What do you think of that? those calls? It seems like they want us to get back to when the height of COVID was and reform our life accordingly for a flu and RSVP deal. How? What do you think about this, uh, this combination of things? And what kind of risk are we talking here? They appear to be rooted in misconceptions. So now the misconception that asymptomatic spread happens, that if, if you know, 300 people go to church and they all feel well, that somehow they're going to spread RSV to each other. No, RSV is just like flu, just like COVID. It spreads from an acutely sick person to a susceptible person, vast majority of spread occurs within the home. RSV, the vast majority of cases are under age one. The kids aren't going to school yet, Malcolm. They're under age one who get RSV. And then it's easily treated with nebulizers. Masks are not a treatment for RSV. We use nebulized albuterol, sometimes nebulized um, uh, budesonide. We can use uh, some advanced drugs in adults. But masks are not a treatment. You know, right. people have basically uh, now through misconception, through fear, 
through through a mental pattern of thinking have basically perseverated mm-hmm. on some fundamentally useless things like masking and social distancing. Again, with this whole RSV pandemic, do you hear any discussion of getting nebulizers and and, and some type of approach there? This is treatable within a few hours. So these reports then, I mean, it seems like when I, what, and what you say makes complete sense. And, you know, I know the RSV hits the really small ones, the infants, and you bring up a great point. They're not even in school. What the hell are we talking about? And the whole mass thing has been insane from the beginning. So these are all overstated reports. Why do media, why do you think these, is it just ignorance that media outlets put this kind of garbage out there? Is it to strike fear at the heart of people who are not really paying attention of the full spectrum of news out there? Or do they really believe this crap, do you think? (laughs) I think it's part of the vaccine agenda. You know, I put out on my social media feeds a clip from the major media, one of the major morning news shows. They had an expert on and he was talking about RSV. And they had a little box telling parents what to do, Uh, you know, social distance, wash your hands. And then in the box at the bottom, it says, stay away from unvaccinated persons. (laughs) So wait a minute, there is no vaccine for RSV. Are they saying that a vaccine for COVID is something that would be protective against RSV and an unvaccinated person would give? So they're just planting, they're using RSV to plant these little psychological reminders for COVID vaccination. All roads lead to the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Is that well said? I mean, and a lot of it with a lot of the claims you just make and with the public is ignorance, total, total ignorance. Uh, But you're right, though. All those paths do tend to lead there, uh, to, to be sure. Uh, this other thing, let's bring it to a head now and talk about, uh, this was interesting. You wrote a piece on this, but, you know, from the beginning, um, as long COVID set in and long haulers and people realized this wasn't a quick fix, like getting over the flu or getting over the common cold, the damage to the human body is severe, swift, or and, and can also go on for, well, we don't even know how long it'll go on for at this point because we're still figuring that out. But the damage to our organs and our and our body as this thing continues to progress in the human body is striking, is absolutely striking. And you talk about visual loss here as another reminder. And this is kind of interesting. That And uh, I like the way you put this. You say here, there seems, and I so agree with this statement, there seems to be no limit on what tissues and organs can be damaged by COVID-19 vaccination. And, and and not just, I mean, that's the COVID-19 vaccination, but COVID in general with long haulers, I think it's the same sort of thing that with our organs and tissues that you pull out. I still don't know the extent of this, do we? But let's talk about this visual loss uh, as, a, as a cruel reminder, you say. It is cruel. You know, our vision is so precious. And uh, when that report was published of uh, two forms of vision loss that are ocular forms, one is optic neuritis or inflammation of the nerve that gives the major signals from the eyes to the brain and the or and or inflammation of the optic artery or the the eyes have a single arterial blood supply that they rely on and uh you know they, these are readily diagnosed by an ophthalmologic exam so if you get a dilated exam and the eye doctor looks they can they can nail it by visual uh inspection of the eye with their advanced uh, cameras and lenses and it's readily treatable with steroids 
And when I posted this, Malcolm, I was overwhelmed. I got so many messages and reports that this is happening in thousands of people. It's believed. There was a report from Europe saying thousands of people have taken the vaccine and have visual loss uh, for mm. a period of time, sometimes permanently. Some people wrote and said, Dr. McCullough, my, my loved one, my senior citizen loved one now is, has permanently lost vision. And I thought to myself, I got sick to my stomach. I said, oh my Lord, this is a treatable problem. These people didn't put two and two together, didn't get a prompt evaluation and get the critical steroid drops. So you know, I wonder with COVID-19, how much is going on in terms of disability, particularly with the vaccine, that people aren't putting two to two together. And these reports mm -hmm. that finally make it into the literature now crystallize something because this one really went viral in a sense. It went medically viral as people came forward and started to realize what was happening. Well, which brings me to the point, isn't it safe to say that the healthcare industry simply hasn't caught up with all of this? You know, I'm thinking of, again, you know, um, the, the lack of information, the lack of ignorance out there, but even within the healthcare field, it hasn't caught up yet with the, the, um, oh, I mean, the backlash of all of these things that we're going to be dealing with. I mean, we talk about the cancers that are coming from all of this. Uh, of course, the myocarditis is the big thing there, but all of, you know, people dropping dead from this thing. I mean, I, it's, I mean, really, I, and I don't know where that's going to happen. I mean, that's, I'm guessing that's a long way out before the healthcare industry really catches up with all of these problems beset from not just vaccination, Dr. McCullough, but also long COVID. Is, is, that, a, is that a fair thing to say? Long COVID more quickly. I reviewed a paper from Mayo Clinic on the cardiovascular complications of COVID. Mm -hmm. And there they, they have a table in this paper. One of the authors is Bernard Gersh, a notable cardiologist from Mayo Clinic. And, uh, you know, they have a table where they show at least a couple dozen uh, clinical trials of long COVID funding for long COVID research. And I was wondering, you know, where is that group on vaccine injuries? Now, many people have long COVID and they have a vaccine problem at the same time. Remember, most people who've had COVID have already taken the vaccine. I mean, that's the majority. So it's hard to separate the two syndromes. There's not that many unvaccinated people left. So we have to start considering the vaccines. We need a broad research agenda. Right now, the medical community is not even recognizing these injuries uh, exactly. in, in the majority of cases. And we're seeing a ton of what's reported. Can you imagine if we actually saw the entire breadth of this? The, if the Zogby survey is right, 15% of our country now has some new medical problem related to the vaccines. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I predict there's going to be a tremendous amount of misdiagnosing uh, there's going to be a, a, just a lot of people, uh, there, there's a lot of pain and suffering yet to come from this. In fact, I also will say what we're talking about right now, and I, I fear this, but I also know it's 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 going to happen. This is going to be the new pandemic right here. Uh, the, we're going to be struggling with this for years to come and not really knowing where this is all coming from without any clear policies. And, and, and still, they're not even you know, really accepting what's taken place. I mean, there, there's no acceptance for what has happened already, uh, that the vaccines don't work is what I'm suggesting. They never have worked. And now the population isn't covered. It doesn't do any, and they're still pushing for it, but the vaccines are not even, as you say, they're not even designed for what we're dealing with today. And the psychological games are still being played on vaccines. It's, it's insane, the whole thing is. Yeah, listen to this uh, vignette that I had last night. 
Um, I uh, spoke at a gala event um, for the Vaccine Research Safety Foundation in Dallas. I was actually with Dr. Asim Malhotra, the UK cardiologist who was over. It was a great event. Um, but I got a text right in the middle. I had to field. And it was a family member in Houston. And their, her father has a pacemaker. And pacemakers have this uh, remote monitoring capability now. And he got a warning message that his battery is running out on his pacemaker. He needs to schedule to have his pacemaker changed out for a new battery. He says, okay. So he calls the office right away. And they said, but the problem is you're unvaccinated. Hmm. And we're not going to change out your pacemaker until you take a vaccine. Oh, come on. No, I'm serious. And so now the daughter is scrambling. Think about the ridiculousness of this. And actually the serious uh, error in this. So let the guy die uh, instead. That would be a better thing to do. Well, here's the thing. The vaccines cause heart damage. We would never give a vaccine to somebody with a pacemaker cause heart damage. The vaccines cause blood clots. Blood clots form on the pacemaker leads, Malcolm, and can cause problems. We would never give a vaccine because it drops immunity Mm. and he could get a pacemaker um, incision site infection. There's like three reasons not to Mm. give a vaccine in somebody right ahead of a pacemaker. So even if we gave him the vaccine, remember you take shot number one, you wait a month, you take shot number two, then you have immunity by month three. He doesn't have three months to wait. So even if the vaccine Mm. was perfectly safe, we still wouldn't try to link his pacemaker procedure to the vaccine. You can see that this cardiology group at this very famous hospital in Houston, how how terrible Mm. the vaccine has become in terms of their thinking and their, even their medical procedural policy. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's you don't have the words for that, what you just described. I mean, it just shows the pure ignorance out there and the hate uh, that surrounds this whole conversation. But this is a lot of the damage, let's remind ourselves, that's been done from, well, Anthony Fauci and company and their policies that have been put out there. This is government public policies that did that stirred this hornet's nest that beset these problems into people's minds and the healthcare industry, which I don't, you know, I'm not sure it will ever, I, you know, I'll say to you this, I don't know that it ever recovers in our lifetime, Peter. I, do, I mean, do, do you, I mean, really and truly, I mean, based on the ignorance, even the story you just put out there, and that's just the tip of an iceberg. Those stories are everywhere. I mean, do do you think we ever recover from the, the healthcare industry from this sort of thing? Vaccines are special. Remember, there's a belief system now that even newborn babies could get hepatitis B and they should immediately get a hepatitis B shot. I mean, how, how do you reverse that? I mean, th- that went from just, you know, babies of IV drug abusing mothers to now every single baby in America born. I mean, how do you stop this freight train? Yeah, you know, there is a belief now every single person should take a COVID-19 vaccine mm-hmm. and it should be a requirement even before you have your pacemaker changed. And that belief, can't, how do they walk that back? Mm-hmm. How do they say, wow, I'm sorry. I think the only way to walk it back is to pull these products off the market and say, listen, it's no longer available. We don't do it anymore because the products are no longer mm-hmm. available. I don't know how these practices in these hospitals say they're sorry. Right, right. I mean, thinking about lawsuits and all of that, which is massive in size and scope. Uh, you know, that would be a welcome today, though, to see the authorities come to the microphone with a press conference and admit some level or sense uh, uh, of truth and some point or urgency of the moment 
you know, all the lives that have already been lost and potentially we save that many more lives into the future. And it will, it will make a massive difference. And finally, I want to talk to you. I'm sure you've seen this report, uh, Peter, about uh, this is, uh, again, this goes to the narrative that you and I have talked to countless times. It's it's un- it's unbelievable. How many people, how many uh, celebrities, how many famous people, how many athletes, how many others have died unsuspectingly without knowing, not, like no cause, no nothing, silence all around it, like nobody knows anything, okay? Very, very suspect. And the latest one is, wow, I talk about a piece of American history, Irene Cara, Irene Cara, the, uh, she was the, um, the, the famous uh, actress, singer, dancer, multi-talented. Uh, she did fame. Uh, she had the, she was a flash dance. Everybody knows flash dance. I mean, she had an incredible voice. I mean, only 63 years old. I mean, really at the prime of her life. I mean, and she's dead. And no, no reason, no disclosure, no nothing. We don't know anything here. Isn't this is another one, isn't it? Very suspect. Huh? Well, someone found her disclosed tweet uh, in the past saying she's taking the vaccine for her birthday. Yeah. So we know that she was vaccinated. We have yet another situation where someone has died, no explanation. We know they're vaccinated. It is the vaccine until proven otherwise. It's just the reports keep coming in now on such a frequent basis. There was a a man, uh, I think yesterday, who died the day after he got married. Uh, It just keeps going and going, uh, Malcolm. At what point in time will the general public really wake up to this? Yeah, uh, but it's it's just a reminder because it's something you and I've discussed and here we are and I see her death and I think, wow, and what a talent she was. And these people are, I mean, they're dropping dead from it. And you know, I've seen some of those videos that are incredibly striking when they start to put them all together with all the athletes dropping dead on the fields or the courts. And you start to do that and you size it up and you you begin to say, wow, this is like incredible. It's like a death sentence for these healthy athletes to take. I mean, but then the problem is uh, you've got the uh, uh, the organizations and the um, they've pushed this. On, this is a system. They push this onto the athletes. They push this onto everybody that you become you know, part of like the X club, you become part of the outcast, uh, you know, you become part of that group. If you don't succumb and take this vaccine, just like we've been talking about here, it's, it's pretty sick, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. It is. It is. And let me, um, you know, let our listeners know that this has been in the open recently brought into our circles as doctors, but it was the department of health and human services and the white house April 1st of 2021, uh, Malcolm, they yeah. announced the COVID-19 Community Core. The Community Core, you know what this was? This was over $13 billion, US dollars, infused into organizations to push the vaccines. Mm-hmm. This was astonishing. You know what organizations included? This was April 1st of 2021. Money was flowing from the federal government to the American College of Pediatrics. Wait a minute. The pediatric vaccines are not even out. The studies are not even there. And yet the government is pushing vaccination for COVID-19 in the pediatric medical societies before to prep them ahead of time. Money flew to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. Why were gynecologists pushing the vaccine on pregnant women? Because the government was pushing money to them. 
Money went to uh, the entertainment industry, Hollywood, churches, uh, various community groups, black and Hispanic groups were targeted. The NFL, Malcolm, this is a government operation. It was a government operation to push these vaccines through every modicum of human life. And it was an extraordinary, you know, $10 billion will go a long way to move these organizations. Think of all the people who could be fed with that, who need food, for God's sakes. Um, well, what do they always say? You know, follow the money, right? Follow the money. Isn't that the key to this thing, right? Follow the money. Follow the money. It's true. These, these dollar figures are eye-popping. That's what we know about. That's what's been disclosed. COVID-19 Community Corps. Uh, anybody looking at this from a legal perspective, you want to see the flow of, of federal dollars, you know, how how were the obstetricians influenced by the federal government to administer an unproven, unsafe vaccine to pregnant women? Follow that trail right there. It's the U.S. government doing it to its own people. Yeah, it, it's uh, again, it's uh, it's a reference to uh, what uh, and I'm thinking here, like who's behind the curtain? You know, it's like we've always been talking about that, like who's who's really behind all of this uh, because it's so egregious and it's it's outrageous. And it's, uh, I think it strikes at, uh, at, at, uh, the soul of humanity is what we're talking about here. I, I, it's hard to even think we're living in this moment right here that we've, we've succumbed to this moment of life. It's like we have fallen so far from just before this thing happened. It, it, it's, I don't know, it's hard to comprehend really, uh, that we, that all of this has uh, transpired here. Um, well, this is, uh, by the way, we're going to get to a lot of questions here in just moments here. This is a Q&A 47 here uh, we're doing here. We've just sent out, uh, you know, the last uh, few of the, these. I've been so behind. I, I typically send out a personal email back to each person who sends the question in that we try to answer. I can't, we can't answer all the questions because they're, they're coming in the tens of thousands. But I get to as many as we can and, and try to put them on here to teach all of us a little bit um more about this thing, you know, that we can all, um, there's a lot of these problems people are thinking about there, you know, they have the same thoughts and same ideas. So it's a way to uh, share the knowledge. And that's the whole key of these Q and A's uh, is uh, to to spread that information around and help other others out with the quality of life. Uh, with a lot of the stories we're talking about right now, Dr. McCullough, it always comes back to, uh, and the thing I want to put out to everybody's attention is there are things we can do as people, simple things, friends. I mean, the people who are listening to this broadcast now are people who want to be educated. They're people who want to, they, they're not fear mongers. They're not fear mongers. They're people who want to embrace life and they'll find answers to fix the problems. It's all in our minds. It's our mind control of things and even going through COVID and the experience I went through and my wife went through, it's just, it's having the right mindset. It's fighting, it's willpower. It's, it's, and that's what a lot of our listeners can relate to. Now, listen, that's not to take anything away. I just want to say from those people, our loved ones who did take the vaccines for, pre, for due to very difficult pressure or to think that maybe it would work somehow because there was so much public uh, knowledge of this or, you know, conversation going on. Um, a lot of those people need our help and need our love and need our passion. We don't become two groups of people here in uh, in the world, in, in our country, you know. 
But the underlying thing I want to point out to everybody right now, and we know this, and I'm seeing, like I'm looking right now at several of the news reports of the stories that Dr. McCullough and I just spoke about, it's the air quality, the air quality, the air quality, the air quality. We talk about it all the time. Dr. McCullough talks about it all the time, even everything. It's always about the air quality. This is where this stuff is. It's in our homes. It's in our public venues. That's what's going to do it. If you're out in public venues and you get the wrong thing in your respiratory tract, that's a problem. Again, that's a nasal hygiene thing. That's there. But but air quality and whole, like we had people over, uh, Dr. McCullough, for Thanksgiving. You probably did. You probably were around family and friends or what have you. We have the uh, the, the Genesis HOCL. Uh, we have the, uh, the atomizer, the UX4, and running, which puts that dry mist in the air. But when you talk about air quality... And you talk about, and I'm, I'm talking our homes, our lives, public venues, all of it. That's the key. If we, if we, if that is, uh, you know, killing the pathogens and the things that are in the air, that's going to put us a long way down the road. Between that and nasal hygiene, I mean, that would put us a long way down the road to ever having a problem with any of these issues. I think we've become into a group where we're protecting ourselves in some very unique ways. Is that properly stated? You know, it is. And I think the concept here is reducing the inoculum. Remember, there's always, you know, various organisms, uh, viruses, bacteria, fungi on our skin, in our nose. Uh, they're ubiquitous. Uh, but when we get to a certain threshold of concentration, that's when we actually get sick. And by using uh, products like, um, you know, like HOCL, we're reducing the, the, not absolutely, but we're reducing the overall quantity and keeping it below the threshold by, by which we get sick. And that's the mechanism by which that works. It's the same reason why you'd use a, you know, a cleanser to clean your countertop and just not have a lot of you know, buildup of bacterial or um, mold film. It's the principle behind general cleanse, cleansing. It's not absolute but it reduces the inoculum. Yeah, and there's a sense of comfort when you see the dry mist coming out of the equipment, the UX4. It's uh, The atomizer is a, a very a nice looking piece. It's a small piece that sits, you can put it on. I have mine on the countertop toward the backside. It's, it's very nice. And you can see that dry mist coming out into the room, into the, and, you know, cleaning that air. Uh, there's a sense of comfort is what I'm saying. There, there's a sense of knowing that at least that air around you is clean. Uh, between that, a healthy immune system, watching the things you do. I mean, these are things we can do as people. I, I just, you know, there's a lot of preventive stuff I'm discovering now that we've come down this road. And I see that more and more. The more we take care of our bodies and our minds and being preventive, uh, the more we prevent being in a situation where, in, when we're, where we're in a hospital bed somewhere with any kind of an ailment, uh, it really comes down to having a healthy life, friends. That's what I talked about all the time. Genesis HOCL is is very worthy of bringing to your attention. The HOCL is hypochlorous. It kills all the pathogens, superbugs, viruses, SARS-CoV-2, you name it, it kills it. And that's the thing before it ever gets a chance to get into your respiratory tract or get in there because it's in the air. This stuff is and people bring it in and out. So that's the way to do it right there. Uh, Genesis H-O-C-L dot com forward slash out loud. OK, Genesis H-O-C-L 
dot com forward slash out loud or simply what do I always say click the banner ad back at America out loud and you'll get a discount of 15% off of the uh, either the atomizer the UX4 or the fogger the fogger is transportable to explain the difference friends that you can move from room to room or area to area you put it on your shoulder very compact small and it, it, it cleans the air the other just runs you know constantly continuously and that's actually made that out of Japan. The Japanese record numbers of people have that atomizer. They're very health conscious in Japan and very sensitive to that. And that's where that product comes from, by the way. Uh, and it's now available in this country through Genesis HOCL. So check that out. Uh, that is the way I, I would say you do it. We're going to take a quick pause here. We'll return just on the other side here. And you're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Are you trying to lose weight? Have you had COVID-19 recently or have suffered a vaccine injury syndrome? You know, all of these conditions are metabolic, catabolic strains on the body. The body has increased needs for essential micronutrients and minerals. And the GI tract may not be functioning completely normally in terms of absorption. The solution, healthy cells. Healthy Cell has an entire product line using MicroJo technologies. So these are in liquid gel packs that you simply uh, rip open and a quick squirt and you've got everything you need in terms of nutrients. The product lines are the Immune Super Boost, the uh, Focus in Memory, and my favorite, the REM Sleep Supplement for an ideal night's sleep. Try them out. Go to HealthyCell.com and enter in out loud for a discount on your first purchase. Oh, or go on our platform, America Out Loud Talk Radio, and click on the banner bar, Healthy Cell, to get your discount on your first boxes of uh, Healthy Cell products. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Okay, we resume back here. Welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, this is Q&A 47. We'll get into some of the questions now and uh, uh, some of the other uh, things you're wondering out there. And uh, let's, let's jump in right now uh, with this. And Karen says, my family and I got COVID for the first time in December 21. We were all vaccinated. Since the first COVID infection, most of us are sick all the time. Wow. Often illnesses affecting us one after another, causing us to be sick for months at a time. For example, my two-year-old was sick uh, all last July with four different illnesses. I myself was sick the whole month of April. Uh, a few of us just got over the flu, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Could this be due to a first COVID infection or is it superbugs mixed with lockdowns, masks that are causing issues? I never, re never remember being so sick so much in my life. What an interesting question from Karen, Dr. McCullough, to put out there after the conversation we just had about the clean in the air. I'm thinking, what do you say to this? Wow. I think it's a post-COVID phenomenon. Malcolm, recall that when I had COVID the first time, then second time, 
Remember, people commented uh, to me across the platform, Dr. McCullough is sick all the time. I had the same exact scenario. I think I was sick about four different times. Yeah. And, and I, there is some uh, effect of SARS-CoV-2 suppressing the immunity. And, you know, we've, we've always had hints of this. For sick inpatients from the very beginning, we saw a depression of lymphocyte count, which was a little sign that somehow this virus itself is knocking down the immune system. We know that there are uh, segments of the spike protein that are homologous to an HIV glycoprotein. And so the original Australian vaccine from the University of Queensland, it turned everybody HIV positive, but they didn't have HIV, but it just showed you that the SARS-CoV-2 protein, you know, has a segment to it that looks a lot like HIV. So people have always wondered, does this suppress the immunity? And, um, you know, I would, to answer this question, what happened to this family is the same thing that happened to me. Mm. And I think in some people it's conceivable that the infection itself for a period of time, maybe six months to a year can knock down the immunity and make somebody more susceptible to a next different viral infection. Yeah. I, I, it's, I, it makes perfect sense what you're saying. And Karen, you've got my message to you and your family, take the steps we're talking about. A lot of the things I'm doing, we have no sickness in my house, haven't had any sickness, zero, zero, since my wife and I got over COVID. And, and those of you who followed me know that I almost lost my wife from that story. So I'm very sensitive to this conversation and our health and well-being. Um, and so, but again, there are things you can do, immune system, getting the right things in you, which I talk about all the time with Dr. Henry Ely on the platform, healthy cell, other things you can take, vitamin D, uh, D3, uh, zinc, echinacea extract, all this stuff is really, really important, but also uh, the nasal hygiene, uh, the the Cofix RX or the Clear, both really tremendous products, one with povidine iodine, the other with um, xylitol, uh, tremendous products. And uh, and the, what did I just talk about? The Genesis HLCL path. I would if you don't have that in your room running, I, I would say your you know your house. Uh, then you know that could continue on. But you you got to get on. Uh, you know what it is. You got to get on offense. You know, Doctor McCullough. Let me just say that I, back to Karen and her family and so many others who are listening. What I, I guess what I'm saying is just as a and you're you're as a medical doctor me me you know as a person that says we just got to get on offense we got to get on offense not defense does that make sense? It's true and you know where we're talking about getting into this offensive posture against the pathogens is in the home. Eighty five percent of all the spread of this there occurs in the home because you're in close contact with other people for a prolonged period of time. You you don't get it by jogging around. Uh, the neighborhood and passing somebody on the sidewalk. That's not the action. The action is when someone comes in the home, they start mm. to feel a little bit viral, they start to get sick. That's when we start to need, we need to use these virucidal um, methods. So important what you're talking about right there, man, is so important, please. We got to take control of our lives, starting in our homes and our surroundings. That's what matters. You're right. And when you're out jogging or riding a bike or something, you don't need to wear a mask, people. That's insane. Don't do that to yourself. That's a psychological game uh, that has been played on too many people. Uh, this next one is from Paula. She says, Dear Malcolm and Dr. McCullough, thank you for this wonderful platform and for your willingness to provide this extremely valuable and critical information. And you are welcome, Paula. And that is the whole basis of what we do here at America Out Loud, to be sure. 
she says, I want to ask Dr. McCullough whether or not COVID and or the vaccines have an effect on hemoglobin levels. I ask because I know of three men, all of whom have COVID and two of whom have been vaccinated, whose uh, hemoglobin levels were very low. Is there a connection either to COVID, uh, even long haulers or not, or to the mRNA vaccines? Uh, your thoughts? Yes, to both. But the mechanism isn't directly related to the infection or directly related to the vaccine. It's a nutritional form of an anemia. Uh, and what we've seen, let's take COVID, for example. You know, people lose weight with COVID-19. They have, uh, they lose hair. They have nail changes. It's a tremendous catabolic strain. I think it's a nutritional effect, uh, what we call a nutritional anemia. Because in the diet, we need uh, all of our nutrients. We need uh, uh, protein. We certainly need B6, B12. Uh, we need um, uh, folate. We need iron. And if, uh, if, if the diet is deficient or people are just gravitating to an unhealthy diet, there'll be a nutritional anemia. And we see this commonly post-COVID. Now, after the vaccine, we think it's the same mechanism. People don't feel well after these vaccines. Uh, many of them, if they develop one of these syndromes, a, a painful neuropathy, uh, persistent headaches, ear ringing, these are the common ones, a small fiber neuropathy. I see the same thing. People tend to lose weight. They don't feel well. And I think the mechanism of the anemia is nutritional. It means patients should have a blood test uh, and the anemia would be diagnosed. Remember, it's a hemoglobin less than 12 grams per deciliter in a woman, less than 13 in a man, defines anemia according to WHO standards. There should be an investigation for B6, B12, uh, folate, uh, and iron. And, and then if, uh, if those are deficient to be replaced, many people, Malcolm, take a proactive effect and they, uh, uh, you know, stance, and they actually boost the immune system and boost these, um, these vitamins and supplements, you know, ahead of time uh, to make sure they weather the storm and don't develop an anemia. Amen. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, I hope everybody's taking 5,000 IUs of D3 and occasionally 10,000 IUs if you feel anything happening around you, because that in itself will help you and would have helped a lot of people at the onset of this pandemic, to be sure. Um, so, uh, all right. So I hope that uh, helps, Paula. And uh, this one's from Sherry. Uh, she says, we live in Idaho, where our local doctors believe in the vaccine and where we still are against, and they're still against early treatment and not up on effective protocols to help with this damage. What did I say earlier? What did I say about the healthcare industry? Here it is. Do you have a list at all or any knowledge of cardiologists that work with severely heart damaged COVID people? Wow. Non-vaccine injured, but from the COVID infection itself in this case, if not, is heart damage something that can be managed with telemed if many tests have already been done locally, EKGs, blood work, stress tests, uh, et cetera, you know, heart medications? Uh, and is it in continuous AFib, losing weight and muscle, very weak? Uh, can you advise, she says? You know, the list we refer patients to is the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, of which there are cardiologists on that list. Um, yes, it is a treatable condition and, and does need care by a cardiologist. And, uh, you know, listen, there's no problem in just calling some practices, call them and say, uh, you know, does your practice generally 
tell patients to take the vaccine? Yes or no? That's a good proxy. And then say, listen, do you handle vaccine injuries like myocarditis? Is this something your doctors? And just, you know, let the fingers do the walking. People are so afraid to even ask these questions, like something bad will happen if they ask these questions. By asking these questions uh, at the front desk, you start to wake up these practices. Patients right now are literally not saying anything to their doctors and they're trying to run to another doctor. That's not solving the problem. They have to start asking these questions and really pushing and demanding for that care at a community level. Now, a lot can be done by telemedicine uh, provided you know, you have the EKG and the cardiac ultrasound and the other tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I see this right now. I'm a cardiologist. and I can tell you I'm overwhelmed. I, almost every person in the country wants to be my patient. And it's just, I can't do it all. We have to start pushing uh, these other doctors to, to come into a state of awareness of what these vaccines are, are doing. The doctors are, are capable and competent, but it's a matter of the patients waking them up. Yeah. Okay. Well said. Well said. Uh, Tamar says, I haven't found the answer as to what should be a substitute to treat long haul COVID and as means of prevention to one that has adverse reactions to ivermectin, zinc, quercetin, and turmeric. Have you heard of people who can't tolerate it, people who actually get parasites after taking ivermectin? Hmm. No, I haven't. It shouldn't be the case. Now, if there are parasites and there's shedding of the dead parasites, this can happen in veterinary medicine, as an example. We'll, um, you know, you'll see that dogs will shed various forms of worms and parasites there. But no, ivermectin is a broad-spectrum antiparasitic. It obviously has the antiviral effect, of, effect um, uh, in SARS-CoV-2, uh, but shouldn't have an effect where it promotes infection. Okay. Linda says, I'm a 62-year-old unvaccinated female. I had COVID in January of 2022, so that was... Uh, early this year. Okay. And I followed the FLCCC protocol as close as possible. In April, I developed a, a t- t- tintinitis there. Uh, as I've been having odd pains in both my arms, I'm concerned that I might be developing blood clots. Okay. I did have the D-dimer, right? Uh, haven't heard back the results. What do you recommend that I do? I don't trust my doctor to help since he is part of the system pushing the jabs. Just about everybody is Linda. What do you say to Linda? It's going to get better, that ringing in the ears, and it is a a post-COVID syndrome. It's way worse than the vaccines. I've seen uh, personal colleagues have incessant ringing in the ears for over a year after the vaccine. So hopefully it'll be just a few months and this will settle down. Uh, No randomized trials, uh, very little experience uh, with prescription drugs. In generally, I'm recommending a healthy diet, broad vitamin supplementation, and then go ahead and take N-acetylcysteine, 600 milligrams twice a day, and quercetin, 500 milligrams uh, twice a day for their kind of anti-spike protein and cellular protection effects, and ride it out. It will get better over time. Okay. M says, I am not vaccinated. I met a new gentleman who is vaccinated and boosted. Please address the dangers associated with shedding and what can be done to minimize them. Recent paper by Hanoon and colleagues, it's on my Social media feed, as well as uh, Substack, is a very comprehensive paper, I think over 100 references. And it's, it's really making me believe, Malcolm, unfortunately, that shedding is real. Uh, but it's shedding more of the genetic material, the messenger RNA, as opposed to the spike protein. We have data now, multiple sources, 
that there's 99% seroprevalence against the spike protein. Meaning everybody, if you get exposed to some spike protein tomorrow, your body has a defense system to recognize it and handle it. The problem is the messenger RNA, and that's largely what we're using in the United States is Pfizer and Moderna, the genetic material. People who have not taken the vaccine, they don't want it. That's a reason why they lost their jobs. There's a reason why uh, you know, they've been discriminated against. They don't want the foreign genetic material in their body. And what Hanoon points out is that, wait a minute, this is coming through breast milk. It's coming through sweat, tears, your general secretions, oral secretions, uh, probably through exhaled breath at a close range. And a paper by Fertig and colleagues shows it's circulatory in blood for 15 days and the curves were not going down. That's as far as they've evaluated, stuck in lymph nodes by Rokin and colleagues, Stanford, for two months, not going away. So we actually don't have evidence that this genetic material gets out of the body. So the questions on the table is, how long can someone transmit the genetic material to someone else? We don't know. It's easily a month. I, Based on her paper and her work, I'm extending this to about 90 days, Malcolm. Uh, honestly, the next person that comes in my office and said, you know, my spouse just took the vaccine, you know, how long should we stay away from each other? I'm going to say at least 90 days. Right. This is not looking good. If, if you want to steer clear of the genetic material, you know, one of the hottest checkboxes on the dating apps right now is unjabbed. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, a similar question, and you may have answered it within this context here. Kathy says, is there spike protein shedding, spike protein shedding after the vaccine? <clears throat> how much damage to others and for how long? There is shedding that's theoretically possible. Mm -hmm. Stephanie Seneff was the first one to publish that paper, but it's ne there's never been a paper showing a clinical consequence. Like, wow, there was shedding of the spike protein, and then we found the spike protein in someone who was on the recipient end of it, and there was a serious complication. It's never been published. We're two years into this. So I think if there is significant spike protein shedding, uh, if it's occurring, it's minor, it's inconsequential. It's because everybody already has some defense against the, the spike protein. Okay. A couple of other footnotes here to talk about, and I want to talk to you. Uh, I actually mentioned the listeners and uh, and uh, let everybody know uh, a new uh, program, a note, a new broadcast, Nurses Out Loud. So excited about this broadcast. What a great spirited group of people. I had the pleasure the other night of spending a couple of hours with them. And they're truly remarkable, amazing group. And they will start a new program on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, Monday through Friday, this program is. And it's going to be played. You can hear it live at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And, uh, and all the shows go to podcasts. You can hear them on demand as well. Uh, there will be a later encore time as well. I just don't have that information. But 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, great lineup. And let me just tell you quickly, on Monday is Nurse April Snipes. On Tuesday, Nurse Cami uh, Moreno and Emily Toms. On Wednesday, Nurse uh, Kimberly Overton. On Thursday, uh, Nurse Michelle on Friday, Nurse Jody O'Malley. I mean, Dr. McCullough, what a lineup. Wow. All my favorite nurses on one show. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> These nurses have been superstars over the course of the pandemic. They're big social media yeah. figures. Wow. All very attractive and dynamic and smart. Uh, America really looks up to these wonderful 
ladies, and, and they have not only their professional stories, but personal stories. And, and April, I'm, I'm really curious to see how far April's going to go with a, a very, very critical personal story. So we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll just leave it there. I know yeah. what the story is. But, oh, uh, wow. wow. Uh, you know, April works at my big medical center. That's how I know her. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yes. Wow. So I know welcome. That. this right. is a terrific, terrific addition to the platform. Yeah. Um, you, you know, there's far more nurses than there are doctors worldwide. Yeah. That community is huge. Uh, the nurses are largely the health advisors for extended families, uh, for, for schools and elsewhere. Uh, and, and I can't wait to, mm. to start hearing yeah. uh, the great work that they're going to do. Well, it's been really interesting to get to know them. We, we've had a lot of laughs already in our meetings and gatherings and, uh, uh, truly, truly great, wonderful group of people. Uh, they're going to rock the house on this one. I can already sense it coming. It launches this Friday. When I say this Friday, uh, that is going to be December 2nd, depending when you hear this broadcast, uh, my friends. I just want to put that out there. So Friday. And um, there's a, a there's a wonderful logo. You'll see the picture of all of them in there. And it's really, really nice. In fact, it's on the it's on the platform now. If you go to shows, uh, under shows, and you go to Nurses Out Loud, you'll see the page come up. And you'll see all of them there in their photographs and everything else about it. It's it's very, very cool. Uh, so anyways, this is just launched. It's a whole new uh, uh, program. And, uh, well, you know, it's uh, it's a launch of something very, very special that uh, I think is going to be tremendous. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. We put a lot of energy into this one. It's got a really cool music and vibe to it, by the way. It's, you're going to enjoy it, friends. Nurses Out Loud. So check that out. Uh, launches 10 a.m. Friday. Hel- help us with a big launch and get involved and help us share the information and come listen the first day. Let's make blow some records out of the water here. Be very, very cool. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Also, I'm not ready to announce it yet, but there's a new physician coming on Friday that will replace Jody O'Malley on America Out Loud Pulse. Obviously, she's going to be with Nurses Out Loud. Jody, I've got to know really well. She's really a dear friend and uh uh, just a tremendous voice and spirit. She was the one who went viral with the Verta, Project Vertas uh, and was just could not deal with it. All these nurses are heroic. They're just heroic. In the face of danger, they put themselves at risk and for the truth, uh, for the out loud truth. And you, you, we've got to celebrate that to be sure. And so she will be with that group. And so uh, we, I'm really, we, it, well, I'm, I, I almost want to tell you now, but I'm, I've got to hold back till we have some other things ready for this. But I'll be ready to tell you next week. And they'll be starting right after that. It is a national name that you all know. And he'll be doing on Fridays, uh, joining America Out Loud Pulse as we continue to raise the bar. Uh, and so that's the story here. Dr. McCollum, excited, excited with all the stuff happening I on the platform. Seen- so you're keeping it a mystery who yeah. the new star recruited to the platform. We can't wait to find out. Yeah, I have to do that out of respect for the person uh, because certain things they have to do publicly to do it. But I'm, I'm really excited. I took a, a shot at this, hoping that uh, we could get this person. And uh, they loved it. They loved him following the broadcast of the program. America Loud Pulse has been very, very special. Uh, with all, I'm just blessed to have this unique talent uh, here, which is so thrilled. Um, my friends, that's a wrap here on, uh, uh, well, on America Loud Pulse, but this has been Q&A 47, uh, and we covered a lot of ground. Go listen to the early part of the show. A lot of great conversation there. Always a blessing to be in the company of Dr. Peter McCullough, for, to be sure, here. Thank you for joining us on the mission on America Out Loud Pulse. Always 
I'll be ahead.